0: This is a Rooster Teeth production. March 12, 2018. U.S. Bangla Airlines Flight 211, a Bombardier Q400 with 71 people on board, is on approach to Kathmandu, Nepal from Dhaka, Bangladesh. The flight is cleared to land on runway 02 but can't find the runway and overflies the airport. The crew begins a turn and spots runway 20 off to the side of the aircraft. The captain begins some very aggressive maneuvers flying over the passenger terminal, almost hitting the air traffic control tower before attempting to land on runway 20. The plane comes in banking at an extreme angle and gets one set of landing gear down before going off the runway, crashing into a berm and killing 50 people. Why did the pilots get lost? Why couldn't they see the runway? What led the captain to execute such dangerous maneuvers? Find out on this episode of Black Box Down. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Black Box Down. It's Gus and Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello. We are talking about U.S. Bangla Airlines Flight 211 today, flying into Kathmandu, one of the most challenging airports to land
1: in in the world. Oh, well, you just answered one of the questions.
0: (laughs) It's uh, Nepal in general is pretty mountainous, and uh, the Kathmandu approach and landing is supposed to be incredibly difficult. So I'm just going to clear that up immediately right off the top.
1: Okay. It it, it kind of reminds me of whenever we were talking about, uh, was it San Francisco Airport? Oh, yeah. And th- we have this in our Black Box Down Aviation Explanation uh, animation video, but slam dunk landings where they just go, mm-hmm. and just yeah. like nosedive and then straighten out to land.
0: <laughs> well, not, not quite the same going on here, but they have to be very careful on approach because there are so many mountains on the way. They have to like kind of thread the needle between the mountains in a valley, then you know come out and land at the last second. It can be very tricky. I'll let I me mean, make a note here. I'll put down. I'll and you know when we post. When we follow us on social media. We post supplemental uh, images. I'll post an image of the the map, like the approach procedure for Kathmandu, showing like how they have to kind of like dodge between mountains uh, to uh, to get into land. Mm want to make sure we talk about that immediately because <laughs> I know that's probably a question a lot of people are going to wonder about. I think when you think of, like, Nepal, uh, you think of, well, I think of mountains. <laughs> I think of, like, yeah. uh,
1: Mount Everest and yeah. really mountainous terrain.
0: You can actually see Mount Everest from Kathmandu.
1: Oh, well, I guess you could probably see it from a lot of places. Cause <laughs> <You're, it's... laughs> you can't see it from
0: Austin, Chris. I can tell yeah. you that. Well, that's true. So... Like we said, this was a an international passenger flight that originated in Dhaka, Bangladesh, and you know flew to Kathmandu, Nepal, not that long ago, uh, March 12, twenty eighteen, almost four years ago, exactly. So this is a very recent incident, especially for us to be talking about a black box down. You know these these investigations normally take yeah. a lot of time. This one, that's a pretty good clues as to what happened. So mm. uh, we we are, we are able to talk about this one without waiting of <laughs> uh, years and years and decades to talk about it. Well, it's been four years. That's still a while. <laughs> still a while, true. So this flight was crewed by Captain Abid Sultan, who was 52 years old. Uh, he was a former Bangladesh Air Force pilot, had over 5,500 flight hours. Bit of trivia, or not trivia, uh, I guess a, a, an interesting note here is that the captain had actually resigned from the airline before this flight. What He'd put in his notice saying that he was going to quit in three months' time. Like he had given plenty of notice, Uh but as part of the airline's code of conduct, he was required to continue working until he had officially been discharged. So he'd put in notice, but he
1: was still flying planes. And did he quit in anger? Was he like, I quit? Or is he like, I'm retiring (laughs) or, you know.
0: I don't want to spoil too much, but I will say I would think if you quit in anger, you don't say, I'm so angry, I'm going to quit in three months. (laughs) Okay. So I'll leave it at that for now. We are going to get more into that. You are asking some good questions, but I don't want to. I don't want to spoil our flow here. Okay. The first officer was uh, Prithula Rashid, who is twenty five years old with three hundred ninety flight hours, and she was the airline's first female pilot. Oh. And uh, this particular aircraft was a seventeen year old Bombardier Q four hundred with twenty one thousand four hundred nineteen hours and twenty eight thousand six hundred forty nine cycles. I believe we've talked about these planes before. It's a, a high-wing twin propeller plane that can seat 76 mm-hmm. passengers. So it's not jets. There's propellers, you know, one on each wing. The wings are up high over the top of the fuselage. 76 passengers? Yeah. So it's not like a huge plane. In the United States, we would think of it as like a regional operator. And you said there were 41 people? 71 people on board. 71. So they, It was close to full. It was a. Uh, it was the two pilots, two flight attendants, and 67 passengers. Okay. So that totals up 71 people. At 6.41 universal time, Mm -hmm. Dhaka Ground Control contacted the aircraft and requested its Bangladesh Air Defense Clearance number. So a few weeks before this flight, the Bangladesh Authority made it mandatory for an international flight to have one of these numbers. They call it an ADC, Air Defense Clearance. Mm -hmm. The crew replied saying their number was 2177. However, the ground controller asked again if they had the ADC for Bangladesh. The captain contacted his operations to confirm the number. And the report notes that his vocal pitch and language used during these communications indicated he was agitated and experiencing high levels of stress.
1: The captain is agitated? Correct. Mm.
0: Then after the ADC settled, the flight took off at 651 UTC. So like that took about 10 minutes for them to get settled.
1: This is just saying that, like, I guess, is there like military operations in the area where they're like saying they have clearance? Yeah, it's just
0: like this is, you know, an approved aircraft to be flying through this region. I can't really give an analogy for it. I can't think of one that you would have here, you know, in the United States, but it's just a number that they have to have that proves everything matches up. This flight is is good to go. Okay. As the aircraft was climbing, the captain overheard another U S Bangla aircraft regarding the fuel on board. I believe it was a, one of the ground controllers uh, was calling a different flight. They were calling U S Bangla two eight seven and asking Bangla two eight seven, what their remaining fuel on board was. And even though this communication was with another flight, for some reason, the captain assumed this message was for him, for flight 211. And he engaged in conversation with the operations staff. And this communication between operations indicated he was very much emotionally disturbed and experiencing a high level of stress. Like, he got really mad at them. Like, he was screaming, like, why do you need to know my fuel remaining on board? Oh, my ooh. I'm going to have you fired. Like, when I land, I want you to give me in writing why you bothered me. You shouldn't be contacting me unless I contact you. Like really, wow. Like, really, really angry. Uh, exchange like, that he has. And yeah, they're like, we're not asking you, we're asking 287, have a good flight, you know, which makes him even angrier. <laughs> so it was just like a weird exchange. Like he he was obviously on edge, right? Like he hears yeah. something and he thinks it's intended for him. It's like, they're, no one's even talking to him.
1: It's like, dude, dude. It's
0: like, it's just Relax, relax. <laughs> After that, the flight continues. They establish contact with Kathmandu Control at 7.52 Universal Time. And about 15 minutes later, the first officer requested descent clearance I was instructed to descend to 16,000 feet and was told to expect an approach time of about 8.26. At 8.11, the Kathmandu approach instructed the flight to descend to 13,500 feet and hold over the Gurus waypoint. And we've talked about these waypoints before. They're just navigational waypoints that planes use. And, you know, all Kathmandu is telling them is, you know, descend to 13,500. When you get to the Guras waypoint, hold there. Do like a holding pattern, do a circle or something. Because Kathmandu, like I said, it's a very narrow approach. Uh It's kind of busy. So it's a common thing when you're flying into Kathmandu. You might have to hold for a bit until things get, you know, cleared up and you're able to go in and land. Get in line. Exactly. Crew acknowledges the hold. They insert the hold command in the flight management system. Everything's going like normal. At 8.13, which is two minutes later, the crew were instructed to reduce speed and descend to 12,500 feet. And a few minutes later, they were told to descend to 11,500 feet. And they were cleared for a VOR approach to runway 02 and to maintain minimum approach speed. So essentially what they're getting told now is like, oh, don't worry about the hold. We're going to be able to get you straight on in. Okay. You know, even though they've programmed the hold, it sounds like they don't have to worry about it. They're going, to, they're going to be able to go straight in on their landing. The two pilots were having an unnecessary conversation and they forgot to cancel the hold instruction in the flight management system. So when they reached that Gurus waypoint, the plane started to enter a left holding pattern remember, like I said, they programmed this hold into the flight management system, so the computer thinks that it's still active, so it starts entering uh-huh. the hold. Both pilots notice that it happens, and they notice immediately, the captain started to correct the flight path, and air traffic control also calls them and alerts them like, hey, you're not holding, are you? You're cleared direct in. So, you know, they, they catch it right away. Uh-huh. The captain turns to a heading of 027 degrees to intercept the 202 degree radial inbound to the airport. So, they know that this hole is going out, so they kind of override it. The captain, you know, tells the plane to head at 27 degrees to head, continue heading towards the airport. Okay. The aircraft crossed the 202 radial. So these VOR radials, they're like spokes out of a wheel. So when I say they crossed the 202 radial, it means like from the VOR, they cross at the 202 degree mark coming out from it. Kind of like if you draw a long line out from it. Okay. It's just, the like I said, they're on a VOR approach. It's just the way the VOR works when you're navigating with it. So they cross that 202 radial when they're seven miles out from the Kathmandu VOR, but they continue to fly on that 027 heading. They don't, like, intercept it and continue into the airport.
1: So wait, so you're saying they don't, like, they should go down? Right, so once they hit that 202
0: radial, they should Uh turn on it, and they should follow that radial all the way into the airport, because that'll take them straight to the
1: 02 runway. Oh, okay, so this is like how they navigate where to land, the spoke system? Yeah, the the VOR isn't necessarily strictly for landing, but in this case, it is a
0: VOR landing, so it is being used to, like, tell them where to land. Okay. So instead of, like, hitting that radial and turning in on it, they just keep going past it. Okay. And they keep going on that 027 heading. So as a result of this, they flew northeast of the airport, and they continued in that direction until 827. The Kathmandu Tower alerted the crew that they were cleared for runway two and that it looked like they were setting up for runway two zero. And remember, we've talked about this before. Runway zero two and runway two zero would be the same runway, just in different directions. Yeah. So like, runway two is heading north and then runway two zero is kind of heading south.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Because they've, yeah, they've flown past the airport. So the tower's like, like, uh, you're cleared for runway two. It uh, looks like you're setting up for two zero. Then two minutes later, the tower asked what their intentions were, and the captain replies saying they're gonna be landing on runway two, even right. though they've passed the airport. So at this point, like they would need to pass the airport again, turn around and then land towards the north.
1: Or they could just turn around and just land on the same runway and it'd be called two zero, right? Correct.
0: But you know, if they're if they're landing planes on runway two, there's a reason for it typically. Typically the winds are gonna favor that runway.
1: Mm. So
0: if they try to land on two zero, they might have a tailwind which would make them come in faster yeah. and take longer to stop. So not favorable. You always want to try to land into the wind. So the flight then made an orbit to the right, and the controller instructed them to make a downwind for runway two. So like basically they fly parallel to it and report when sighting of a Buddha Air aircraft on final. So you know, as they're, coming, they're flying down past the airport, air traffic control says, let us know when you see this other airplane that's on final. They're about to land. However, instead of getting onto that downwind leg parallel to the runway, the flight continued on the orbit to the right, heading west towards the northwest end of runway 20. The controller then instructed the aircraft to remain clear of runway 20 and to hold in their current position because, like I said, that other plane, the Buddha Air aircraft, was landing on O2. Wait, so they
1: they gave their runway to someone else because they were... Right, because...
0: They should already be on the ground at this point. There mm-hmm. was another plane behind them. That that other plane is now landing. So now the air traffic control is worried. They don't want this Bangla Air flight trying to land on two zero mm-hmm. while the Buddha Air is landing on zero two because they're going to hit each other head on on the runway if they do that. Yeah. So that other plane, that Buddha Air, landed at eight thirty two. Then the tower tells flight two eleven that gives them the choice. They can either land on zero two or two zero. But Bangla Air makes another orbit to the right. So they're just. Kind of flying around, like kind of circling Uh away from the airport for some reason. While the plane was turning towards the southeast, the captain reported he had the runway in sight and requested the tower for clearance to land. Uh, Runway two? So (laughs) that's a good question. The tower controller cleared them to land, but when they were still turning for the runway, they were very close to the runway two zero threshold and they were pointed west and not aligned. So... They cleared them to land but it seemed like they were coming in on 20 instead of 2. Mm. So they're landing from the north to the south instead of the other direction. And even when they're doing that, they're like really close to the end of the runway and they're pointed west not south like they should be. They're not lined up. They're way they're really close to the runway and you know people on the ground they can see that the plane is maneuvering really close to the ground and it's not aligned with the runway. It's you know it's like buzzing houses and buildings in the Ooh. area. The controller became alarmed. Right, this is yeah not normal, and tells them takeoff clearance cancelled. Even though he meant landing clearance cancelled, he can't believe what he's seeing. Yeah, you know he's he's telling him wait cancel don't don't land. But he's saying takeoff clearance. He's just so flustered at this. Yeah,
1: because and he can see this right.
0: Uh, he might be able to see it at this point if they, yeah if they're at the end if they're at like the threshold of two zero he can probably see it. Okay, but if he couldn't see it then. He definitely could see it next because over the next 15 to 20 seconds, the aircraft pulled up in a westerly direction with a very high bank angle. It turned left, flew over the western area of the airport and continued in a southeasterly heading. It buzzed past the tower, like to the point where it got so close where people in the tower ducked and got on the ground because they thought that the plane was going to hit the air traffic control tower. So that's why I know, I know they can (sighs) see it because people were diving to the ground in the tower.
1: Oh my God. Like, you should never be near the tower, right? No. Like, Like there's
0: no... it's not There's no reason for it. Yeah. It's far away, right? Well, the tower, it's still on the airport property, Uh but it's not, like, right next to the runway. Yeah. If you're close to the runway, typically you're taxiing. Or, you know, if you're landing, you're out by the runway, you know, landing or taking off. You shouldn't be buzzing the tower. It's not Top Gun.
1: I was about to say... I was was thinking (laughs) Top Gun. I was like, is he, like, Top Gunning them? Like, trying to scare them? Like, oh, you don't tell me where to land...
0: Uh, who, who, I think he was just flustered uh-huh. and trying to get the plane on the ground. So, like I said, they flew past the tower, trying to align with runway 20. After they passed the tower, the controller, again, attempted to make contact with them. But at 834 universal time, the aircraft contacted on the ground with its right main landing gear. When it did so, it was banking at a bank angle of 15 uh-huh. degrees. It skidded off the runway. It slid for 300 meters before crashing through a fence on the edge of the airport. It came to a rest in the field and burst uh, into flames. Oh. All four crew members were killed, along with 45 of the passengers.
1: That's most of everyone. When you, yeah. I first, when you first said the number of passengers, I wrote down the wrong number. I thought there was like 100 and some, I don't know. But yeah. Only 71 people
0: on the plane. Uh, 22 people survived the initial impact and were taken to the hospital, but two of those passed away from their injuries. All told, only 20 people survived uh, uh, this flight. So what went wrong? We got a... A former Air Force pilot who's playing Tom Cruise, top gunning the, uh, the tower.
1: Uh-huh. And he was only two months from retirement. So <laughs> so close months. to retirement.
0: At one of the most difficult landings in the world. Uh-huh. How did we get here? What happened? So the investigation was carried out by the Aircraft Accident Investigation Commission of Nepal. Uh, and They were assisted by representatives from Bangladesh and Canada. Bombardier is a Canadian company, so that's why Canada assisted, just like... The NTSB will assist if it's a Boeing incident overseas. Okay. The commission determined there were no problems with the aircraft that caused the accident. So they focus on the behavior of the crew.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: like I said, behavior, We I've already thrown up a few red flags for you about things that seemed
1: weird. That things that shouldn't yeah. be happening.
0: Well, I'm about to tell you a whole lot more.
1: Oh, this is going to be good stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's good. This is nuts, man. Um. So while the crew was preparing for their approach into Kathmandu, the flight crew was discussing personal issues and worries. Well, I, I shouldn't even say the flight crew. It was mostly the captain. Uh-huh. Since the beginning of the flight, the captain carried out a lengthy one-way conversation with the first officer and made multiple unnecessary statements and comments against another colleague in the company who had questioned his reputation. You ever have this happen? Either where like, you're talking to someone who's maybe like had a couple of drinks and they're just like unloading on you and they won't stop? Like they're not looking for a conversation. They're just talking at you
1: They're Yeah. And they're venting about all this stuff about other people. And you're like, uh, right. Yeah. And it's like, sure. maybe people you don't know. And it's like, yeah, well imagine
0: if that's going on and that person venting at you is also trying to land at one of the most difficult airports in the world.
1: I also wonder, I don't know if this was a slip, but you said when someone's had a few drinks. Oh no,
0: no, 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 no. That was just like, I'm just okay. trying to like contextualize it for like, uh, cause I feel like I've, I've been in that situation. You know, or, so when someone drinks, like they're they become a lot more talkative. Just trying to give an example that maybe people can relate to. So, like I said, he had this. He was pretty much talking nonstop the entire flight at the first officer about this other colleague who had questioned his reputation because he was also uh, an instructor with uh, Bangla Airlines, and this other colleague had said he wasn't a good instructor, and it had made him really upset. Oh, so the commission members met with several people from the airline to discuss the captain of the flight. And everyone was of the opinion that he was very friendly, soft-spoken, gentle, probably what you not, would, would have not imagined based on what I said earlier. Uh-huh. He was level-headed. He would behave nicely with his colleagues and junior staff. He was well-spoken. He wouldn't use foul language in conversation. And that his attitude and behavior towards the company, authority, colleagues, juniors was good. He was liked by almost everyone. Everyone said he was a good teacher, a good instructor. Most of his students were satisfied with his teaching techniques. And they were all super happy and grateful to him for teaching them well. Okay. so However, (laughs) before the flight, one female colleague criticized him on his competency. And most of the conversation in the cockpit was directed towards and aimed at this colleague, who was apparently telling others that this captain was not a good
1: instructor and he could not teach properly. Is this one of those people that has an issue with women just in general? I don't. No, I, I'm going I'm,
0: to, I, I can't tell you, I can't answer that with certainty, but I don't think so. Okay. I think in general, everyone seemed to like him and, uh, you know, his first officer on this day was uh, a woman and throughout earlier in the flight, he had been like, even though he wasn't an, inst- an officially an instructor on this flight, he had been helping her out since she was new okay. and like, like kind of like been like. You know, when they were talking about the flight management system, asking like, do you remember how to put a hold in? And like kind of just like reinforcing it seemed super friendly, super like helpful, aside from the two the times that he snapped at uh, other people. Yeah. So I'm going to say I don't think so. I can't say with that with any certainty, but it didn't seem like it based on the way he interacted with this, this first officer earlier in the flight. Okay. Anyway, like I said, there was this one other female colleague who did criticize him, though. And I don't think it's necessarily the fact that it was a woman. I just think the fact that anyone called into question his skill, I think that's what hurt him because he took pride in his teaching skills. And I think it really made him upset to know that someone thought he wasn't a good instructor. Okay. He was telling the first officer about how this particular talk going around had hurt him a lot. So much so that even though he loved the company and liked the environment, he was going to give his notice of resignation from the company because of this allegations from his female colleague. He said he didn't have another job lined up. He didn't know what he was going to do for a living in the future. Like he didn't want to do this, but based on the allegations, he wasn't a good teacher. He, he, that's why he had put in his resignation. That's why I didn't want to get into this earlier.
1: So wait, one person suggested he wasn't a good teacher and he's like, I quit. Yeah. He
0: really took it hard, but that doesn't make sense. Chris, I can't rationalize it. I don't know what to tell you. Um, like I said, they interviewed Many other colleagues, and everyone seemed to really like him. Uh, It was just one particular colleague who said he wasn't a good instructor and that he wasn't doing a good job that made him decide to tender his resignation. Wow. And it's speculated, you know, this future financial insecurity, like not knowing what he's going to do for work, that this may have been one of the things compounding his stress.
1: Yeah, but why did he quit then?
0: Well, it was also revealed that the captain had had uh, a history of depression. Mm. In 1993, he was removed from active duty in the Bangladesh Air Force after evaluation by a psychiatrist. But in 2002, after another evaluation, he was deemed fit to fly and never showed any more symptoms during his time with uh, U.S. Bangla Airlines. Okay. So mental health is one of those things that's difficult to quantify, right? You can't see it. So maybe there were some underlying mental health issues that compounded these allegations as well. I don't know. I can't say for certain. Yeah. At times during this flight, the captain seemed to be having emotional breakdowns during the flight. And in fact, the cockpit voice recorder revealed that he had started smoking in the cockpit because oh of this. Oh my God. And in of course, 2018? You know, 2018, yes. Smoking is clearly against standard operating procedure, but the state of mind he was in with this high degree of stress and his emotional state, you know, may have led him to not follow standard operating procedure. In fact, at one point when they were getting close to landing, you know, when they were canceling that hold over the waypoint, he dropped his cigarette and, you know, both pilots had to like look around and try to find it because they didn't want it to start a fire. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's great. I mean, did anyone say anything like, uh, sir, you're not allowed to.
0: Well, no one could see. It's just, you know, the captain, and the first officer. Did she say anything to him? No, she didn't. I think, you know, she was silent a lot of the flight because he was just like talking and venting at her. And, you know, she was very junior at the airline compared to him. You know she didn't have nearly as many hours and you know like i said he was an instructor obviously superior so uh no she as far as i know she did not say anything okay diversity is great including in your financial portfolio why not think about cryptocurrency backed by the world's leading investors coinbase keeps your portfolio safe and secure while adding some crypto into your mix coinbase offers a trusted easy to use platform to buy sell and spend cryptocurrency they support the most popular digital currencies on the market They make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify or just getting started or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. I've used it myself. I love their mobile app. Uh, for me, it becomes really addictive. I'm always checking it, maybe a little too much, seeing what's going on with different cryptocurrencies. All really easy to use. Really, really great experience. So for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at Coinbase.com slash blackboxdown. Sign up at Coinbase.com slash blackboxdown for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offers for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's Coinbase.com slash blackboxdown. Here's a baffling fact for you. 90% of coffee from the grocery store is stale. Yep, you heard that right. The coffee you know and you think you love needs a massive upgrade and Trade Coffee is here to help. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced coffee beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you'd like, whole or ground. You just take their coffee quiz to get started. Their coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use your results to match you to your ideal coffee. If you don't love your first bag, it's on the house. Trade will replace it for free. Uh, The quiz is actually really good. It finds out not only what your taste is, but more importantly for some people, how you prepare your coffee and, you know, what kind of coffee you're going to want. Do you have uh, like a, a drip coffee maker or do you use an espresso machine do you want whole bean do you want ground they go through it all that way you get a coffee that's not only tailored to your taste but tailored to specifically how you already make coffee so you can easily use it for our listeners right now Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com slash down. To get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com slash blackboxdown. Start your journey to your perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash blackboxdown for $20 off your first three bags. And then on top of everything else that we've talked about here, remember, I just want to remind you, since the captain was not aware of the ADC number, since it was a relatively new requirement for flights, you know, maybe this damages pride even more, especially in front of a, a junior colleague like this, like this oh. relatively new first officer. So it may, you know, he may have... Thought, like, oh, now she thinks I don't know what I'm doing because I didn't know the ADC, even though it's a new thing. Uh-huh. This is totally fine. You know, the captain had flown this route many times, but it was the first officer's first time on this particular route. So he may have just thought it made him look bad.
1: Mm.
0: And also, like I said, the captain became fixated with being instructor to the first officer on top of his normal flight duties. So, on top of flying the plane, he was also, you know, really teaching her and showing her the ropes about how to fly and, you know, what was going on, which escalates his flight duty workload even further. Mm -hmm. So, you know, already it's stressful. Then there's even extra stress, external factors on top of that. There was a lot going on. You know, he was teaching and explaining things like setting up the flight management system. And the cockpit voice recorder showed in the moments where he was teaching, he was very calm, very professional. He would ask the first officer if she was comfortable with what he had explained. She replied that she was. And the commission believes that he was constantly trying to prove his professionalism and reputation as a competent trainer oh. in front of a junior trainee in the flight.
1: Yeah, he was like, she said I couldn't teach. I'll show her, you know, like. Yeah, uh, even though it was a different colleague. Yeah. It wasn't this one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll show this
0: person in front of me that I, I'm a good teacher and I'm going to, you know, teach her as we're flying this, this route. So as the flight was approaching the Guras waypoint, the captain lit up his second cigarette and the crew fell behind on their procedure. They never briefed the VOR approach, and when they arrived at GURAS, they forgot that they had put that hold command into the flight management system. In an attempt to correct this, the captain flew on a heading of 027 degrees to intercept that 202 degree radial. But what they didn't realize, or they didn't take into account, was there was a 28-knot wind coming from the west, so it was kind of pushing them to the west, to the right as well. So they passed the radial without realizing it. That's why uh, also they couldn't see the the airport or the runway right in front of them where they expected it to be because they weren't correcting for that wind, which had pushed them to the right. Okay. So on top of all of this, the crew was already supposed to have lowered their landing gear before they reached that Gurus waypoint. Uh But it wasn't until after reaching Gurus that they started their landing checklist. Like I said, they had fallen behind and they fell behind on what they were supposed to do because of these conversations that they had going on. So they start rushing through the checklist because they've fallen behind. And as a result of this, they became spatially disoriented. That's why they didn't realize that they had, got, they had flown past the airport. If they had looked wow. off to their left, that's where it was. So they were like really, he, he was really spaced out for a while then because they were just. Yeah, they just weren't paying attention. Uh, in fact, actually, when they were going through the checklist, the captain even called out gears down three green for the landing gear saying, you know, like all three landing gear are down, all three lights are green. But he didn't actually check the position of the landing gear because, in fact, they weren't down or locked yet. They were still oh. up. And the gear unsafe tone started going off in the cockpit, and the ground proximity warning system started warning them about the sink rate being too high, but neither pilot acknowledged these. So they're coming into land. They haven't put their landing gear down. There's an alarm going off nonstop in the cockpit about this, and they're just ignoring it. Uh. The captain also asked several times for the landing checklist Even though the first
1: officer kept saying that they did it already. But they didn't do it all the way if the landing gears were still...
0: They did it, but the captain didn't do it properly. He didn't actually look and confirm that the landing gear was down. He just kind of replied, yeah, gear down, three green.
1: But so, wait. But uh, so then you say he did it, like he he read the checklist, but he didn't actually push the button to make the gears go down?
0: Is that right? Well, the first officer is the one reading the checklist. She says landing gear, and then the captain has to reply. So he didn't actually lower the gear or call for the gear to be lowered or anything. Oh. Yeah, I, don't, I can't explain it. I wish, I mean, there's no logical explanation. I know I hear you're like, oh, like trying to figure out why that would happen. I can't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. None of this does. So when air traffic control gave them permission to land on either runway 02 or 20, the captain said they would land on runway 20, but neither he nor the first officer had located it. They couldn't see it. They didn't know where it was. <laughs> it seemed like neither of them was familiar with what the approach to runway 20 looked like. Uh, because they were already spatially disoriented, they had a hard time locating it.
1: So at this point, should they have just flown up and reoriented and then come back down? Chris, you should be a pilot. <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've got a
0: job for you at U.S. Bangla Airways. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. They should have done a go around at this point. It's like, you got, no, you're not finding it. Fly away, circle, reorient yourselves, come back in for the landing. That's exactly what should be done in this instance. Uh, you don't meander and fly around the airport and buzz the tower looking for the runway. <laughs> yeah, That's definitely not what you do. Yeah, you're, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's exactly what should happen. Fly out, reorient yourself, come in, stabilize approach, land. Yeah. Again, I think the just stress and frustration and not wanting to look like he didn't know what he was doing. Not, yeah, not wanting to look like he was wrong. Because like I said, he'd flown this route before. So, I mean, he probably wanted it to look like he knew everything about this. So uh-huh. eventually, the first officer finally spots runway 20. But when this had happened, they were at an altitude of 5,500 feet and only 1.8 miles away from the threshold. So the end of the runway. Uh-huh. So kind of high and really close <laughs> um, Yeah, at that distance. It appeared unmanageable to land the aircraft on runway 20 from the current position, altitude, and attitude. But for some reason, the captain started doing these extreme maneuvers that we talked about
1: in an attempt to put the aircraft on the ground. And is this when he flew past the tower or was this after that?
0: This is when he's really low to the ground and banking Uh aggressively, buzzes the tower, comes in, you know, to land uh, at a bank. And the first officer is just distressed and panicked by what's going on. Uh Uh, She's making no call outs to go around or to discontinue the maneuver. I think, you know, She's probably terrified at this point about what she's seeing in front of her. Spotting the aircraft carrying out reckless and irresponsible maneuvers at very close proximity to the ground with the aerodrome periphery and alarmed by the situation, air traffic control hastily canceled the landing clearance by saying, takeoff clearance canceled. Remember I said, they said that, but they were just befuddled too. They meant landing clearance canceled. You know, and at this critical moment, air traffic control was confused by the unusual and abnormal maneuver of the aircraft and could not be assertive.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, also, they almost got their heads cut off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, they all ducked. I'm sure they've (laughs) never had to do that. The captain still requested for clearance in a calm, content tone, but the aircraft was flying in an improper attitude. The captain was determined to land the plane because he thought it was what a good pilot would do, and it resulted in him losing control and crashing. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, There's actually some security camera footage of this plane coming in to try to land. You can't see very much. You see, like, at the very end when the plane touches down. But you can see people in the foreground, like, looking around over their head, like, they can't believe what they're seeing. And, like, a couple of people, like, pointing and looking and you know, watching the plane come in, and then, like, it crashes and smoke starts coming out, and then everyone starts running around. I'll link it in our social media. But it's wild. There's a few different angles you can see. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, just, it's just crazy to watch. It's unbelievable. So the findings for this incident... And of course, like we said, there's no evidence of any defect or malfunction in the aircraft Mm -hmm. that could have contributed to this accident. The plane was in perfectly working order. The flight crew was licensed and qualified for the flight in accordance with existing regulation. The cockpit voice recorder revealed that the captain lacked adequate sleep the previous night prior to the flight. I forgot to mention that. He kept going on and on about how stressed he was about these accusations. He said that he got no sleep the night before. Oh. So he was also sleep deprived on top of everything else.
1: Yeah, and you're not supposed to fly... Correct. If for some reason you're a pilot and you like, is there like a, you just say, hey, I had an issue and I wasn't able to sleep. They just find a replacement, right? Like, right. That's just, they have to, right?
0: Yes. There's a, in the United States, in the aeronautical information manual, there's a, a personal checklist that pilots are supposed to use to assess their fitness to fly. It's called the I'm safe checklist. You know, Chris, you coined the term PLA, pilots love acronyms. (laughs) Every letter in I'm safe stands for a different thing you're supposed to analyze in yourself if you're a pilot. Mm. Illness, medication, stress, alcohol, fatigue, emotion. So F, fatigue. Mm -hmm. Have you had adequate sleep, adequate nutrition? You know, he should have failed the personal I'm safe checklist just on that alone. Not counting the S in stress. Yeah. Or the E in emotion. Yeah. So just going through the I'm safe checklist,
1: he should have disqualified Wait, himself. What did he say. have of the I'm safe? Let's, what did it say?
0: Well, he had no illness. Uh, <laughs> he was not taking any medication. Had no alcohol. So he was 50%. He was halfway there. He's I'm a. <laughs> I'm a. The captain had operated to Kathmandu several times. However, the first officer was operating this sector for the first time as active crew. Like we said, he'd been here a few times. It was her first time. Cockpit voice recorder and eyewitness accounts of the passengers confirmed the captain was smoking in the cockpit during the flight. Mm. Neither of the pilots had practiced visual landings on runway 20 in the simulator. The captain was engaged in unnecessary, unprofessional, and lengthy conversation, even in a critical phase of flight, thus violating all norms of a sterile cockpit. We've talked about this before. In certain phases of flight, you're supposed to have a sterile cockpit where you only talk about flying the plane. In yeah. your taxi take off and climb to altitude and then descending to and landing you know you're only supposed to talk about what you need to do in order to fly the plane safely yeah steep crew gradient and higher authority of the captain probably prevented the first officer in assisting and being more assertive in significant phases of flight like approach and landing like we said she probably deferred to him since he was much more senior and an instructor the captain did not provide his smoking habit and history of depression in the last medical self declaration form he so the like the mental health checklist for U.S. Bangla Airlines, all the mental health stuff was self-reported. There was no like doctor's clearance required for that. Mental health is a very difficult topic mm-hmm. for um, airlines and pilots to deal with. I think it's like one of the biggest complaints pilots have about the FAA here in the United States is the way that the FAA deals with depression and mental illness and how that is. Um, taken care of in medical, like in these medical declaration forms. But in this case, and with U.S. Bangla Airlines, any of these mental health issues would have had to have been self-reported. And he, he did not report them. He didn't report his history of depression and his problems with that in, when he was with the Air Force.
1: So, and, and you're saying that people have issues with the, the FAA because it is only self-reporting or? Well, the problem is that the FAA has a very unilateral
0: approach to it. Mm. If there's almost any hint of mental illness, they'll disqualify a pilot from flying. Oh. Even if you have to take medications for things like depression, there's a lot of medications that in the, remember, in the I'm safe checklist, M, medication. There's a lot of medications for mental health that would disqualify you from being able to fly.
1: Okay. So because it's so binary in there, it's like people don't even want to hint at any issues or seek help for anything because they're afraid they might get disqualified. Exactly. Versus actually like... Addressing something. the problem. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really tricky issue that
0: the FAA has kind of really dragged their feet on. And people suffer needlessly because of this. Like, mm-hmm. we do, th- those rules just need to be updated. That's yeah. not the core of this episode, but I felt it relevant to provide some context mm-hmm. for you know, things that pilots here in the United States face as well. So while teaching the first officer, the captain was very calm and professional. But while talking about other issues, he seemed emotionally disturbed. Mm. It's evident there were a number of standard operating procedure violations during the flight by the cockpit crew. The flight crew had not been briefed about the recent requirement of the Bangladesh ADC, that number we talked about early in the episode. The VOR approach procedure for Kathmandu runway 02 was never briefed and followed properly. So normally, you know, when they're coming into land, they brief what the procedure is going to be, what they're going to do, and then they do it. That way, Mm -hmm. there's no surprises. They didn't even brief the procedure. The aircraft continued descent after the missed approach point instead of following the standard missed approach procedure. That's, that's kind of what you said. Standard procedure is probably go around, hold, come back in and try again. But they, they kept going. Mm-hmm. Gear unsafe tone and ground proximity warning system warnings continued, but both crew never noticed or they neglected the warning. The captain seemed to have lost situational awareness. He did not realize that they had crossed the VOR and he was under the impression that they were still behind it. Like we said, they crossed that radial and they had no idea. Yeah. That's why they couldn't find the airport. The loss of situational awareness hindered the consciousness of the captain to execute a go around to gain altitude for a wider vision and better ground orientation at any time during the conduct of visual flight at low heights. During the final phase of the visual landing, the aircraft was flown manually at a very close proximity of the runway with a high angle bank of approximately 30 degrees in order to align with the runway. Like I said, they were banking as they were coming in to try to land. Which That's crazy an unstable approach should not be doing that so he's like turning and landing right like right well, like banking like rolling yeah considerable amount of centrifugal force persisted at this time due to the high degree of bank angle rapid descent rate and excessive threshold speed with apparently inadequate inner rudder input to generate sufficient centripetal force as a countermeasure to centrifugal force so they're just uncoordinated they're just mm-hmm. flying like crazy Even in the last moments of flight, the captain had a fixation to land at any cost, and he never considered a go-around procedure, even after realizing that flight was not configured to land. Uh, One of the reasons could be him trying to prove to the first officer he's a very competent pilot and would be able to safely land the aircraft in any adverse situation. No, no, (laughs) we should not be doing that.
1: It's Yeah, you're not there to prove something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you should just be doing it by the book. That's what you should be proving. Uh, Shouldn't be in this situation to begin with. The Accident Investigation Commission determines that the probable cause of this accident is due to disorientation and a complete loss of situational awareness on the part of the crew member. Contributing to this, the aircraft was offset to the proper approach path that led to maneuvers in a very dangerous and unsafe attitude to align with the runway. Landing was completed in a sheer desperation after sighting the runway at very close proximity and very low altitude there was no attempt made to carry out a go around when a go around seemed possible until the very last instant before touchdown on the runway so like you said at any point they could have done a go around mm-hmm. up until the time when they touched down onto the ground they could have done a go around and the only reason they couldn't go around once they touched down is they immediately went off the runway and crashed yeah so contributing factors include poor crm between the crew we've talked about this repeatedly crm you know yeah, crew resource yeah. management or cockpit resource management this has been such a game changer in aviation made things so safe they had poor crm
1: yeah oh yeah well she it sounds like the one younger the less experienced one she was didn't even speak because she felt like he was i don't know berating everyone and screaming you know like yeah he
0: he was yeah it was probably just an awkward situation where she just wants to fly you know she just yeah. wants to 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 get there she wants to do her job They also failed to arm the VOR to intercept the desired radial, which is why they flew past their VOR radial. Failure to adhere to the standard operating procedure. Failure to perform proper briefing. We talked about that. They didn't brief their VOR landing or the VOR approach. Increased workload on the pilot in command as he was manually flying the airplane and communicating with air traffic control. Mm -hmm. Lack of assertiveness on the part of air traffic controller in monitoring the flight path of the aircraft and not issuing a clear instruction to carry out a standard missed approach procedure. So... Laying a little blame on the air traffic controller, kind of telling them that maybe should have told the captain to do a missed approach and do a go around. Yeah. Lack on the part of air traffic control to alert the crew of their actual position. Now we have uh, our recommendations here as a result of this incident. Before the renewal of license of any permanently grounded pilot due to a medical reason, a thorough periodic physical and psychological status should be assessed. A system should be adopted so as to monitor the medical condition closely in all subsequent medical examinations as well. So if someone gets grounded for a medical reason, there should be periodic physical and psychological Mm follow-ups to uh, to make sure they can continue to fly. Because like I said, he got grounded in the Air Force. So should have just done some more follow-up to make sure he was okay. Yeah. The operator should give emphasis to the proper and effective implementation of CRM in the company. The operator should establish a system to ensure the proper implementation of standard operating procedure in all phases of flight. The operator should establish an effective mechanism to monitor and assess mental status of the crew in regards to professional development, financial issues, as well as personal and psychological issues. The operator should establish and implement a policy to de-roster any crew member found to be stressed, fatigued, or emotionally disturbed. The operator should revise their training process to include a circling approach for runway 20 Kathmandu on the simulator. Because remember, they turned around, they tried to land on runway 20 as well. I
1: have a qu- do pilots train on specific airports? Like you were just they saying, can. is it like specific, like, oh, you're going to be flying on this one a lot. Here's some, run some tests. Or is or it- if
0: it's, or in this case, since it's Kathmandu, it's particularly difficult. Yeah. You know, these are people who are going to be flying in and out of there fairly regularly. I can't say with any certainty, but I would not be surprised if mm. they don't have to have specific simulator time practicing the approach and landing into Kathmandu. Okay. The operator should reassess its pre-flight briefing to ensure that a proper pre-flight briefing to the crew by the dispatcher has been conducted at the appropriate time. I think this would have helped alleviate some of those ADC uh, issues early on before they took off. The operator should encourage the crew members to be specific regarding their medical issues and habits in the medical self-declaration form. The operator should reinforce firm policy regarding no smoking in the flight and have a system in place to monitor it proactively and take actions accordingly accordingly. Strengthen the capacity of the air traffic control by developing the appropriate training program so that they become more assertive when handling the traffic and issuing clearances to such traffic, especially in the event of the abnormal or emergency situations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess just trying to make air traffic control more assertive yeah. so that they would have told the captain, yeah, go around, don't land.
1: Give them, What are you doing? Yeah, it was more like authority and more, I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: Air traffic control to be more vigilant and shall visually look out for the aircraft after the landing clearance has been issued in VMC, uh, Visual Meteor- Meteorological Conditions. So I guess just look out, physically look up from your screen at the planes as they're coming in to land. At the time of this accident, it was actually the deadliest aviation disaster involving a Bangladeshi airline and the deadliest incident involving the Bombardier Dash 8 Q400. But yeah, uh, that's it. That's U.S. Bangla Airlines Flight 211. Fairly recent incident, but like I said at the top, after the investigators like dug into it, mm-hmm. they, you know, were able to uncover pretty quickly what it what it seems like, what was going on. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, there was no like mystery of the plane or what happened on the, pl- it's like, yeah, they had the record yeah. and.
0: Plus, like I said, there's even security camera footage. I'm going to mm-hmm. make a note to make sure I link that in our social media as well, the video of this uh, going on. But yeah, don't forget like on that, Note, don't forget to follow us on social media at Black Box Down Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We post um, images, videos, things that we talk about that maybe you can't picture.
1: Yeah, we also have a, on YouTube, uh,
0: it's just Black Box Down. You're correct. On YouTube, uh, it's Black Box Down. That, that's really just to listen to the podcast, or if you want to watch our animated show, Aviation Explanation, mm-hmm. you can check it out there. But that's it. That's it for this episode of Black Box Down, a really baffling, unusual yeah. episode. I, 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 Hmm. I'm, I don't know whether to bring this up or not. Uh, I'll, I'll mention it. Bring it up. At the bottom of the report, Dennis put this in my notes here. At the bottom of the report for this investigation, there's a bunch of smiley faces. There's like smiley faces like, and then like a little icon of a temple and then more
1: smiley faces. Like that's in the actual report? Yeah,
0: in the actual investigative report regarding this incident. What? It's really weird. I'll see maybe I can find like uh, maybe I'll find a screenshot or I'll take a screenshot out of the report and put it on social media as well it I don't know why it's there (laughs) it's 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 really unsettling normally these reports are very you know fact-oriented very data-driven very dry Uh uh-huh I it's it's I've never seen anything like this and this is like handwritten no it's like you know how you can make some fonts look like Uh smile or that have like ASCII characters of like smiley faces and stuff it's like that
1: that's so weird
0: yeah it's weird Anyway, we'll be back again (laughs) next week with another episode. So until then, stay smiling. (laughs) Oh, man.